Welcome to Broads, Books, and Booze. This is your host, Jamie. And I'm Monica. Hello, hello. Yay! Hello! Welcome back. This month's book is A Short History of Drunkenness by Mark Forsyth. 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 Sorry. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> I picked this book because I love history and I love booze. Which is why we have our podcast. Yes. So it is uh, It is a short book. It's really fun to read. It goes by very quickly. It has a lot of different chapters. They talk, he, he talks about a lot of different cultures and societies throughout a huge range of history. I have only short notes. I'm winging it today. I'm relying on the ale. <laughs> Just like he did to write the book. It's definitely a book about ale wine, beer. But the history is great too. <laughs> the history is great. Do you want to talk about our beverage tonight before we get started? Yes, it looks like we have some Sierra Nevada Wonderland Nectarine Ale. Ale for, you know, in honor of our book. <laughs> but yeah, I just took a drink and it's really good and nectarines aren't something that I eat very often, but definitely very good ale. I... I have a uh, wheat orange beer that I really like. So my friend picked this out for me based on that. <clears throat> so we learned the difference between ale and beer, didn't we? Do you want to explain it? Yes. So it's really interesting that I never knew that ale was not necessarily, it was more like a porridge. Mm -hmm. It had particles and chunks in it, and it was, you had to maybe drink it with a straw to get down underneath that stuff. Um, definitely not what you picture alcohol being like back in an olden time inn or tavern, which he talks about that a little bit too later right. in the book. So I doubt, yeah, I definitely learned a lot, and, and a lot of cultures um, say watered down their wine. Um, I think the Greeks watered their wine down. The Greeks were so Extra. intellectual about it all. They were <laughs> like, we're going to drink, but you can't lose any of your faculties. Mm. And we're going to make it this long process, and you're going to have to like lecture and discuss, and everyone will talk. <laughs> Everyone must discuss. Like, I'm the leader, and we will all talk about the topic I want. <laughs> I love the Greeks. And I think beer came along a little later, um, from what I remember in the book, and was a little bit more of a process to make than the ale. Right. So, um, we can talk about that when we get to medieval England, mm -hmm. which was one of my favorite parts. But the um, women made all of the beer in the ale and a lot of it was depending on where you were at when um a lot of it was made at home by women and ale was just easier to make it didn't keep though so you had to sort of make it up a day and interestingly enough in most of the chapters in the book women were not allowed to drink and usually punishable by death or some other sort of horrifying punishment <laughs> yes <laughs> At the beginning of the book, he talks about evolution, and this, I've been reading so much that involves evolution lately, and it's just cracking me up. I, I was very happy to see this chapter here, but one of my 
my favorite bits of it. He's talking about cells in the primordial broth and how they excrete ethanol and like carbon dioxide. And he's like, we're literally pissing beer. <laughs> <laughs> and you talked about this part too, about how um, you can't trust a sociologist. Oh my gosh, I my, love the sociologist. Yeah. My favorite part about the introduction was when he talked about how it's not necessarily the alcohol that makes you drunk. Like you can give somebody a non-alcoholic beer and not tell them that. And they will still exhibit all the signs of being intoxicated. <laughs> and he points out that sociologists have tried it. You can never trust a sociologist at a bar. Right. And I was like, we do not want sociologists as bartenders. Who knows what they're doing? He has this great humor and everything. And it's like you're, you're learning, but you're entertained. It's fun. Yeah. Well, the evolution chapter, there was a good part about... You know, alcohol, the drunkenness, is a reward because alcohol made you makes you hungry, right? Right, a feedback circuit. Yeah, and so, and that's also why you would drink in groups because you're safer in a group. You know, plus you want to take care of all the members of your group. And so we are kind of biologically wired. To drink together. Exactly. Like they said, one drunk human is delicious dinner for a lion. <laughs> 20 drunk humans is like, ooh, I don't want to mess with that. And I, I did note down, he said that the hypothalamic AGRP neuron, to be precise, is what causes us to desire alcohol. Um, not that he has any idea what that is. <laughs> <laughs> or should we need to know? Right. <clears throat> it's just the... Uh, premise was that the alcohol leads to the high calorie sugar dense foods so we smell it so that we eat it and we eat more and we're like i can't possibly eat all this well don't worry we're gonna make you more hungry and the more you drink the more hungry you are which is like totally me yeah. and when he talked about like so when you're stumbling home after a night of boozing you're like i could really kill for a kebab i'm like yeah i've been there <laughs> Yeah. And then the prehistory part, my um, there was several parts that were my favorite in the prehistory chapter. One was there's this natural need theory, how if a beehive gets knocked over and then it rains in it and it sits for a few days, it's going to ferment and early humans, well humans anyway, like honey and then they would drink it and then they would get drunk and it was just like naturally occurring free liquor, I'm sure from the fairies. <laughs> I don't know. I thought that was great. And he, he argues whether or not we started farming because we wanted more beer or if it was, you know, we started, we had beer, so we start farming. And they're like, no, 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 we're pretty sure we started farming for beer, which is yes. great. It was Gobekli Tepe in <laughs> Turkey. And they found these huge stone tubs that, you know, from science, they can kind of tell what was in it. And they're sure it was alcohol, but... The structure has no roof, and they think that the nomadic people sort of met there and drank. And then all of a sudden, we're like, hey, this drinking stuff's pretty good. Maybe if we just grew the ingredients, we wouldn't have to wander around so much. And I love that theory. I think as human beings, as just messed up as we are, like, we would be more likely to change our lifestyle for alcohol than, you know, to farm to feed our family. <laughs> It was just a benefit all around. Exactly. 
Yeah, it's great. And I think the next part was about um, Sumeria. Yes. Which I think that period of time, I'm super interested in like really ancient history. I really wish I had taken the time to learn some ancient languages. And so the language part really fascinated me about some of the first the Sumerian the Sumerian writings is I think the first known writing right in they existence the cuneiform on yes. the tablets yes and their basis is for um, all of our letter and our numbering system and our timekeeping all comes from that fertile crescent between the two river area that they didn't really call anything, but it later became Sumeria. So yes. Yeah. Very wild. And then a I lot of the first the writings they found were IOUs for beer. <laughs> Bar bills, basically. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And this part, it says in Sumeria, they, Oh, I guess they did have beer. Maybe ale they did didn't come beer. first. They did have beer, right. but it was a fizzy barley porridge is how they described it i loved this chapter because he talks about you go to um we'll call it the pub i forget what they called it there's you know that's what it is because there's prostitutes loitering outside <laughs> <laughs> and i thought that was like oh okay that's that's the pub house call yeah. and like how do you know they're prostitutes and like they're wearing one garment and a pearl necklace. And it was like, apparently there's a lot more pearls and a lot less people. <laughs> and and they had jokes. Yeah. They, they would like tell all these jokes. And you'd go into the bar and it would be dark. And it would be kind of like, you know, not that. It was like a gritty place. You know, you don't maybe want to be there. But you're going to be there because you want beer. And beer's cheap. And everybody's like, beer. <laughs> yeah. And like, you could get it super fizzy as the canal and like nobody knows what that means and this was one of the places where it was owned by women but women didn't drink, drink. there right yeah yeah they were they were the beer stirs <sighs> the brewers yeah i learned that stir actually is the feminine form of nouns oh so like brewster is still a word that is used but it actually means like a female who brews beer. Ah, very interesting. Mm -hmm. Which makes Teamster have a whole different meaning to, meaning to me now. I was like, oh. I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then he delves into chapter four, Ancient Egypt. Oh my. Oh which my. is like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's lewd, people. It is so lewd. Yeah. Basically, Ancient Egypt lasted a really super long time. So it's really hard for them to like talk about ancient Egypt overall because Cleopatra is closer in history to us than the beginning of ancient Egypt is to her because it Which lasted that blew long. blew my that mind. Long. Yeah, that's just mind-blowing. Oh, that's one of my favorite history facts I like to throw out. I was like, oh, yeah, I knew that. I tell that to people all the time. <laughs> I like... I listen to the Egyptian history podcast. I love that. Oh. It's, uh, it's Dominic Perry's hmm. podcast. I have to check that out. I've learned so much. I love I love that show. Oh, there was there's another podcast that I subscribe to. Um, I believe it's called Literature and History. I don't remember the guy's name that does it, but his first two episodes talks about. Um, 
cuneiform, and then uh, the story of Gilgamesh. Okay. And they're about like an hour and a half along each, but I thought they were extremely informational and very interesting. And then uh, he's a little bit of a crazy guy. He makes weird songs that he plays at the end of every podcast, and he just sort of like uses a different form format for each song every time, so... They're 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 crazy and they're hilarious and I do love that podcast. So I also recommend literature and history. I'll have to check that one out too. Oh, sorry. But yes, we have been muddling around ancient Egypt, which basically ancient Egypt is drinking, sex, and vomit. Yeah, it's like a lot of orgies, which they call traveling, traveling the marshes. Traveling the marshes. Festival. And I'm like. Why do we not say this anymore? <laughs> Traveling the Marshes Hall. <laughs> oh, and according to the book, it was actually kind of an honor to be conceived at one of these festivals where you would have no idea who your father was, and they know that people were proud of it because they they wrote well, about they it. They wrote about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're like, hey, I, I'm really something because I was conceived during like the, festival. the drunken festival. But they also had a no shame in binge drinking was a big thing in Egypt. They didn't, it's not like they did the walk of shame and felt guilty the next day. They were like, this is good and how it's supposed to be. There is a graphic of a noble woman um, in the tomb of Nefer, Nefer, Hope, Tech, I think. And she is throwing up and, uh, her maidservant's like, don't worry, babe, I've got you. She's, like, holding her head and was like, here's a wine glass. We've got more coming right after this. It was, like, they were, like, very boozy. They are like, we're going to drink until we throw up. We're going to drink some more. We're going to have a lot of sex. And we're going to call it was, He was a little concerned about how those things related to each other with all the vomit and all, this, and all the traveling the marshes, how that worked exactly. But apparently they didn't care. And I love how he talks about how their gods assumed different forms and how that might be a little bit confusing, which is one of the things I really love about um, Egyptian mythology is that they can be more than one person. Mm-hmm. Their gods, like, they're like, I'm going to put on so-and-so's head and I'm going to be both of these people all at once. But I think it was um, Hathor who was like, I want to kill all the people. And was like, oh, look, it's a giant field of blood. I'm going to drink it all up. And I was like, ha ha, who's red beer? Ha ha. We tricked you into sleepy drunkenness. And now we can, now we're not all going to die. Yeah. And now we're going to celebrate that every year by drinking a whole lot. Because we're still alive. You didn't kill us all. I love the Egyptians. They are yeah. so crazy. Yeah, I think the... Sumerian and the Egyptian chapters were one of my favorites, for sure. They they were hilarious. Yeah. I definitely enjoy them. And then we, we already talked about the ancient Greeks and their symposiums, which are all very intellectual. And it's like, oh, we're, we're very posh and we're going to hold our alcohol and we're going to dilute it just precisely. You know? Yeah. <laughs> and then it, uh, chapter six is ancient Chinese drinking, which is basically, um, booze is nice, but not too nice. So it's 
probably best to make it illegal. <laughs> right. And then I think this is where he starts to say it was so illegal and there were so many declarations of it being illegal that people must have been doing it a lot. <laughs> I mean, have a lot of laws written down, you know, that people are just not listening. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, that was great. I was really surprised about the Bible, and I enjoyed that section a lot more than I thought I would, and I actually learned quite a bit, and I was like, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Staggering, singing, vomiting, falling asleep. So far, so familiar. One of the minor <laughs> prophets and a book of the Bible. <laughs> Yeah, and they talk about drinking and early Christianity. And I think the thing with the Christianity is it's a lot, they, it's not a, it's so conflicting with Christianity and whether drinking is a problem or not a problem. And like monasteries at times were breweries, weren't they? Right. They yeah. were. Yes. <clears throat> And you needed wine for communion, which mm -hmm. made it tricky depending on where you were. Like, there, he makes, like, he said, Iceland was a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> and then we talk chapter 8, Rome. And the Romans were just terrible. Their convivians were just awful. It was all about status, posturing, making yourself look amazing and try to like make other people look terrible. And I, what I loved about the Romans, they ranked their slaves on how pretty they were. So the head of the convivian, the host would have the prettiest slave and the person who didn't even, you know, should be there, but had to be grateful to be there, had, like, the ugliest slave. And I thought it was so funny. I think you and I were talking about this the other day, where it's like, you know, you get invited simply so the host can insult you. But, <laughs> but then you had to sit there and be grateful for the yeah. invite and the insults. Right. And if you didn't get invited anywhere, you went to, like, bath time, and you're like, you were for sure to find someone to like invite you at the baths. You're like, oh, I, ha I don't have plans for tonight. I'm like, oh, let's go take a bath. <laughs> yeah, that was very wild. <laughs> the Romans were super crazy. And I can see why people in the Dark Ages decided they're like, we're going to like get rid of everything the Romans did because they were, they were for real nuts. Yeah. They were, like, over the top. So I can see, like, we don't want anything, Robin. We don't care about aqueducts and sanitation. <laughs> they were a bunch of bastards. They were a bunch of bastards. But perhaps they did have some good ideas. <laughs> and they looked so down upon anyone who did not dilute their wine. They were like, oh, oh you uncouth barbarian oh how can you not do this and uh, like they were at first they were like oh no we don't like wine and then they're like oh yeah we do like wine oh my gosh you know what we forgot to talk about in the greek symposium though what's that 
Dionysus. Oh, yes. And his... Maters, whatever the hell. Menards, or whatever they are. I loved them. Yes, they basically worship him by getting really drunk in the woods. And then tearing animals or people apart limb for limb. (laughs) Which I don't recommend, but for some reason reading about it was extremely fascinating. (laughs) The Romans had their own version of them, too. (laughs) I forgot what they were. I forgot what they called theirs, though. But I, I, lo- <laughs> I loved, I loved them so much. <laughs> like Dionysus was like the god of the Greek god of wine, who apparently wasn't even Greek. Imagine that. Yeah, and he had all these women that he traveled around with that would get super drunk and then just like tear crap up. They're like, ah. But isn't this when women weren't allowed to drink and that's where the cult of Dionysus came in where women would meet in secret? Right. And the Romans at least let women drink. They were like, Mm -hmm. oh, my wife's going to sit next to me or lay next to me on these beds because... The Greeks lounged on, on couches and drank because it was very sophisticated and intellectual. And the Romans laid down on beds. Like, they they drank horizontal, which I'm like, how did that even work? It's like, I saw like the one picture, of those, what's like, classy oh. if you're rich and trashy if you're poor? <laughs> <laughs> well, like, at least the Romans let the ladies drink, too. Yeah. <clears throat> now, the Dark Ages is your favorite. Didn't you say that? Or no, medieval times. Yeah, the medieval yeah. alehouse was one of my favorites. Yeah. Yes. But I did really enjoy the the Dark Ages too, where <laughs> these Germans would come in and they would raid someplace and then like burn everything down and they'd be pissed like, where's the wine? <laughs> like, you destroyed it all. They're like, we don't understand what's going on. Give us more booze. <laughs> like, you burnt our vineyards. <laughs> And then they would just go to the next place and do it all over again. Yeah, like, you don't seem to understand cultivation and the growing process. You're just, like, burned. The Middle East was wild because it was like, you know, we like to drink. And drinking is what we have to look forward to in heaven. But if we drink on earth, then we're horrible, sinful people. <laughs> oh, but there was the one, um, what do they call them? Emens? Amens? Emens? Um, religious guys? I don't remember, um, which one it was. New Was, I believe. New Was, who was like, okay, I'm going to do everything that's illegal every night, twice, <laughs> just because I can. <laughs> I loved him. And then he has all this poetry about drinking. And then he's he's talking about wine and he's like, oh, it's like a woman's body. And you're like, oh, you open it and you're like, oh, exciting. And then he was very like sexually ambiguous. Like he he liked young boys. And they're like, don't don't worry about what age he's talking about either. It's just like, oh, Oh, dear God. Oh, no. Yeah. He liked he liked crescent shaped buttockses. And he only got arrested once, and they didn't even put him to death or anything. He just got out of jail. It was like they're very arbitrary in history about who they kill for different things. He got arrested because of a political reason. The um, 
the king in charge wanted some war and he needed this guy arrested and he was arrested for like I don't remember what it was like a week yeah something ridiculous and like the sheriff got all these bribes because his friends were like yo man we want to see you here take my money he was probably <laughs> really fun at parties yeah <laughs> but it was crazy like yeah and then there's other people that were like I'm a raging alcoholic, but if I see you're drinking, I'm going to chop your head off. Right. And I really enjoyed the guy whose name you can't pronounce or spell at the end, who would be like, I want a Tower of Skulls. <laughs> oh my God, I forgot about him. Like, he seems like a nice enough chap, and he's really personable, because didn't he write a whole diary about yeah. his life? Different things. Got a tummy ache today. Put a tower of skulls out in the entryway. <laughs> you would probably be friends if you didn't know about the day before. <laughs> yeah, I like that part too. That was hilarious. I think that um, I think that was Babor. I think, yeah. but I'm not sure. Huh? He talks about several different people in that chapter. Yeah. <clears throat> But it was a little, it was very interesting. It was sort of like, oh well, the Quran doesn't prohibit this type of alcohol fermented from grapes, so we take that very seriously, and we're going to drink this. And the Quran doesn't prohibit cocaine, so we're all going to do a lot of coke. <laughs> yeah, definitely found they were searching for some loopholes. Yeah, they're like there was more loopholes than there was Quran. <laughs> Now, the next one about the Vikings was my favorite because the women's role in Viking drunkenness was the peacekeeper. And I thought that was fantastic. They have to be these, like, strong women to wrangle in these, like, wild, drunk Viking men. I loved how the Vikings could never call a spade a spade. And they had all these terrible analogies for everything, like... The ocean was like whale's piss or something yes. stupid like that. Yeah, because he said it was kind of hard to figure out what was going on because the way that they wrote things was like really hard to figure out. And, and women weren't even like really women. They were just sort of like, you're the person who holds my booze cup. Yeah. You're my booze cup holder. Here were some of them. Yeah, the sea was called whale's drink or the realm of lobsters. Or frothing ale of the shore. Blood was warm ale of wolves. <clears throat> Fire was destruction of houses. <laughs> and heaven was the burden of dwarves, whatever that means. It's what makes Viking poetry so pleasantly incomprehensible. <laughs> oh, shoot. We're laughing a lot in this episode because really this was a funny book. It was so funny. It was hilarious. And I loved it. And I definitely give this a recommend. Yeah, for sure. Ah, <clears throat> uh, so now we're to chapter 12, the medieval alehouse. So again, <laughs> he talks about, like, you can't imagine England without bars, without pubs. You're like, it's incomprehensible. But during um, medieval times, there was alehouses that was mostly um, made by women. And then uh, if you lived in a town, there would be an alehouse that was run by women that they would sell the ale, but they still made it there because it wasn't really portable. It didn't really last that long. 
and it was like terrible to drink the water. And I read the Time Traveler's Guide to Medieval England. They had no idea of sanitation. They had, it was disgusting. There was like, I'm never going to Medieval England ever. If I was a time traveler, I'd be like, no, I need someplace clean, less disease, someplace where I'm not just going to die because they are constantly killing people too. Yeah. So water was something that very poor people drank. If you can afford to make ale or if your wife was just a terrible ale maker and she didn't know what she was doing. So apparently really great ale making women were sought after as better wives. What really stunned me, though, is, like, isn't water kind of important? Like, I drink a lot of water. <laughs> right. Like, wow. But the, How did you live? <laughs> the ale wasn't really that um, that much alcohol. Like, you had to drink a lot of ale to get really drunk. So it had enough alcohol to kill all the microbes in it that would make you very, very ill. I so see. that's why they were... Everybody drank ale. Like, everybody did. Nice. But there wasn't a lot of people that were drinking wine either. Um, although they were seeing that there was actually vineyards in England at the time, but only super rich people had them, grew them, and made their own wine and drink wine because they were also very posh. Yeah, that's what we talked about earlier. You know, when you think of like Dungeons and Dragons or these video games and they have inns and it's just this little house, you know, that you can get a room out in the road. And he's like, yeah, that didn't happen. Those didn't exist. No, there were ends, and they were disgusting, and uh, if, from the Time Traveler's Guide to Medieval England, and if you were an innkeeper, you were legally responsible for anyone that stayed at your inn, so if they did something terrible while they were there, you were responsible for them. So innkeepers wouldn't just let anyone stay there. Like, you know, you read Lord of the Rings, and Stryker comes in, and they're like, oh, this shady guy. I'm like, yeah, they'd be like, no, you're out of here. We're not letting, like, weirdos stay here. Psst. Yeah. And like they said that taverns, taverns only sold wine and it was imported and very expensive. And so like only rich people went there. So ale houses was, was where it was. Well, that's where the people went, I guess. Right. And a lot of times if you were in the country, you would just stay at somebody's house and their wife would give you the ale that they made. Mm -hmm. So, and then we go to chapter 13. The Aztecs. And they had a really disgusting drink. They had a very complicated relationship with alcohol. Like, they yeah. had booze, but they hated it. And when they did drink booze, they, like, binged it. And then they would go, like, months without drinking Oh, that's a again. fascinating thing that you brought up. One of the things that I learned from the book was that there are wet areas and there are dry areas. So wet areas would be somewhere like in Italy where it's no big deal to like have some limoncello on lunch and then maybe you have some wine with dinner and then maybe you have a drink before bed or you don't. It's just, you know, you just are drinking little bits throughout the day where dry areas are like where say we can't drink Monday through Friday, but then Friday and Saturday we drink all the alcohol, uh -huh. you know? And what I thought was so interesting about that is I feel like that, applies to people not just places because i want to be that person that just oh i'm gonna have a little sip of this every now and then but usually when i do have a drink i tend to have a few too many and then end up regretting it <laughs> that sort of reminds me of the rats that was at the beginning in the evolution and i forgot to mention i love yes. the rats in the the uh 
Yeah, you gotta read the book. Yeah, we won't, we won't tell book. you every single thing. Yes, but I, I agree. And that was that was uh, part of the prohibition, wasn't it? Wasn't that towards like the end of the book? It might have been. I can't it? remember where... The dry areas. Yeah. Didn't really mean like abstinence, no liquor. It, they, he might have talked about it, though, in chapter 14, which is the gen craze. Oh, and that made me almost nauseous. Like... There are parts of this book where, like, we're drinking stuff, like, we're hurting ourselves here, people. And this gin thing, and the gin chapter and the Wild West was like, holy cow. Mm -hmm. What are we doing here? (laughs) It makes makes prohibition make so much more sense. Yeah. And it, it was all about, I mean, it was money and... I don't even I don't even remember how this how they made it, but I remember thinking I can't believe people drank that. <laughs> well, uh, gin is distilled from juniper berries, I mm. believe, and it it's talking about the gin craze which happened in England in London, but did in the it early have 1700s. such a high alcohol content that it, and people were just drinking it like they would drink yeah so. Beer? Right. What happened was is that uh, they decided they were going to make this, and people are like, "Oh, it's just like beer. Or it's just like ale." And then they would drink like large quantities of distilled spirits, and they would get raging drunk. Some woman apparently has a terrible story. Lots of terrible things happen with the gin. Some people drop dead. They yeah. She sold her child. Yes, and the clothes. Yes. And, ugh. That yeah. was a bad part. That was it was terrible. Yeah, and then they ban it, and it was, it was just very crazy. Yeah, the gin craze. I, I that was a disturbing chapter. It was. It was. It was like ugh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then like the Australia chapter afterwards wasn't much better either. Yeah, they tried to make Australia, um, a booze-free country. They wanted it to be alcohol-free. Basically, the soldiers are like, screw that. We're not going to work unless you give us alcohol. Was it? it was yeah. A, it was a spirit that they were drinking first because, you know, they talk about rum. how now, rum, how it's known for like fosters and mm-hmm. wine. But back then it was all about it was rum. rum. Mm-hmm. And throughout the book, in different cultures, this one too, with the soldiers, um, a lot of places like your alcohol was part of your work day. Like, it was part of your wage, even. Uh, who was it that didn't start work until they started drinking? Oh, was that? I liked who those was people. That? <laughs> I can't remember. Yeah. I think that was in this chapter, though. Huh? I should have made a note. I'm sorry. But that was very, that was very funny. Yeah. And then there's even like a little song about rum in here and the rum rebellion, which I didn't know anything about the rum rebellion, so I found that kind of interesting. Yeah, I didn't I don't know a whole lot about Australia and this chapter um was pretty interesting. They got their health care from, mm-hmm. from it was basically a, um they tricked the they were tricked um these rum dealers and traders and were tricked into signing this contract and they thought they were going to be rich, but really they ended up funding the building of this hospital and they really got nothing because they didn't read the fine print. 
<laughs> and the hospital was designed by like the governor's wife and it didn't have like bathrooms it didn't have a morgue it was like but she was an amateur architect yeah she just sort of threw stuff together and was like very poorly planned and they're like here you go yeah it's now like a government building the wild west was wild oh it was so crazy yeah so i i was thinking about bill and ted's excellent adventure While I was reading chapter 16, like, Billy the Kid, and they're like, first of all, there was not one saloon in the town. There was dozens. Like, you could easily go have a drink and never run into your nemesis. It was, like, yeah, something that Hollywood does. And why did they have the false two stories? There are one-story buildings with a false two-story facade. That was only a one-bit saloon. The two-bit saloons had two real stories. <laughs> that was so crazy. Yeah, it was like, we're going to pretend to be a two-bit saloon, but everybody will know it unless you come from us from straight on. <laughs> and you only think that we have two stories until you walk in. Yeah. And how the bar was on the left. Yes, not, you, and not, no batwing bat, doors. No bat, yeah, like sliding doors, but not like mm-hmm. in the movies. And they had the mirror, and then on the other side, it was like this sort of pornographic picture of the woman, because the guys were all like, we're lonely, we need women. <laughs> and it was really funny how um, it was the Wild West, he said, because it was growing so fast that the people would get there before the law and order. But it's not like the law and order didn't eventually arrive. It was just like kind of like chaos and then and then all the pieces kind of came together and then the people would move and it would start all over again. And they were like, hey, you criminal, you want to be keeper of the peace? And they're like, who, me? Um, sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was... Those are wild times I would definitely not want to live in. No, and they didn't play poker. They played some other game. Oh, that was interesting, too. Yeah, definitely not like the movies. No, yeah, nothing like the movies at all. Now, Russia, chapter 17, was probably the most horrifying chapter for me. Really, they were horrible people. You learn for the past 500 years, whoever's in charge of Russia, they just kill a lot of people. Now, the drinking, I think, was it Stalin who would have all his... His his cronies come over for dinner and get him super drunk? Yeah. But then, but that wasn't the worst part. So, they they weren't allowed to leave because you can't be rude and you have to drink all the alcohol you're given. So, you're raging drunk, stumbling home. But then, you have to be to work in a couple hours. Yeah. My son loves Stalin. (laughs) He talks about Stalin all the time. Stalin wasn't actually Russian. He's from, like, Georgia. Stalin's not even his name. My son knows his name. He is, like... It means, like, steel man, doesn't it? That's what it said in the book. Um, He is all over communism, and he's very idolistic, and he just has no idea, like how just horrendous and backstabbing and just, like, terrible Stalin was. I mean, like, yeah, yeah, he's like, well, it's easier to keep track of you all. You can't lie to me. Like, you can't lie to me anyway, but, like, when you have to be, like, stumbling drunk in my home every night... Yeah. And that was the purpose. Like, you're so drunk that you... 
I can't help but easily trick you into finding out if you might be plotting against me or whatever. But then these people had to go to work and function the next day. So that's like my worst nightmare because honestly, people, like, if I drink nowadays, I usually need at least two days to recover. <laughs> yeah. I can't imagine. Uh, and apparently, like, Stalin was very close to Vladimir the Great, who was a ruler of Russia in 987 AD, which uh, we call now BC, or CE, mm. Common Era, in a lot of history books. Oh, but I love that guy um, who was like, oh, we're going to interview a bunch of religions and see which one we'd like. And then like, the Jews came and like, oh, you have no homeland, go away. Ooh, Muslims came, they're like, what? No drink? Ugh. No. We're Russians, we live for drink. Sorry, see ya. So, like, I guess we're left with the Christians. I mean, like, they got wine, so why not? That was hilarious. And he's like, it's not as far-fetched as you think. Apparently that was really common. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. So many terrible, terrible dictators in Russia. Uh, Peter the Great, Stalin... Um, Ivan the Terrible, yeah, uh, it was, it was, it was terrible. Yeah. It was very terrible. So basically they go around, force people to drink a lot, and kill a lot of people. Yeah, there was a lot of forced drinking, like, by people in power, like the Greeks did it, and the Russians did it, and the Romans did it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there, there was a lot of non-consensual... Yeah. drinking going on yeah and there was different parts of the world where people looked at drinking as almost like you could meet god and have a spiritual experience with drinking oh that was the drunken festival of the egyptians yeah. yeah and it just goes to show where it's all about your mindset with things because like i would have never considered alcohol that but like the way i was raised is it was like a sinful thing you know, and something that you should be embarrassed about. But if you're raised in a culture that it's like, that's how you meet God, you know, you're going to have a totally different experience with it. Right, because he, he talks about in the in the hall of traveling the marshes, yeah. <laughs> how everyone's passed out drunk, and then they move this giant statue in, and then you sort of wake up, like, hungover, and you're like, oh, where am I? What's going on? And then you see God, and you're like, okay, now I need to tell you everything that I want and need, if I can remember, because I have been, like, raging drunk for, like, a week, you know? Yeah, yeah, that was super cool. Oops. Sorry about that. Small little bump. Huh? Chapter 18. The last chapter prohibition which was really interesting is that my son was learning about prohibition while i was reading this oh he was studying it uh, he's a freshman in high school and i don't remember this chapter very well so it must not have struck a lot of what i found most interesting about this chapter was that prohibition wasn't a conservative movement it was a feminist progressive movement it wasn't necessarily against alcohol it was against saloons mm. it was against men going to bars getting really drunk 
spending all the money, all the wages that he earned coming home, having no money to, for the household, and then being abusive to his family. And Which, women were like, we're done with this. That makes total sense. Yeah. And that, um, you know, it was it was very Midwestern movement, too, which I was like, I get that. I mean, like, I feel that. No, it, he talks about how, like, domestic violence is notoriously difficult crime to control. And it's, you know, like, the guy who plays Captain Picard, I can't remember his name. Oh, of course I know his name. It's Jean-Luc Jean Picard. <laughs> That actor yeah. talks oh about gosh. how his mother was a victim of domestic violence because his father had, um, like, PTSD from being in the war and how she would call the police and the police would come out and they're like, Stewart. Patrick Stewart. Yes. Gosh. Yes. Mrs. Stewart, uh, you must be doing something wrong for your husband to do this to you. And, and you know, like, if you weren't, if you weren't doing something wrong... He wouldn't do this. And so he was talking about how he felt a lot of compassion for both of his parents, for his father who went through the war and had all this PTSD, and for his mom who had been a victim of domestic violence and had all this PTSD. Yeah. So it was like this feminist movement where they're like, we're done with this. We don't want the saloons anymore. And how it really killed the sort of adult beverage industry in America, though. Because it lasted a long time. Uh, was it like 15 years, maybe? That is a long time. It was It was definitely over 10 years. And by the time that um, Americans started making beer and wine again, they had, a lot of them had forgotten how. I think what happened was, was probably people that were able to do it well were like, screw this, we're not staying here. Yeah, that's They'll go true. do it somewhere else mm -hmm. where it's allowable. Yeah. I didn't realize that prohibition had occurred beyond America. I be didn't honest. either. Yeah. So I was very surprised by that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh. Here we go. Um. Oh. We talk, forgot to talk about how the Russians banned vodka and then there was the revolution. <laughs> like coincidence? Hmm. He said, yeah. They banned, he, the... You know, he banned vodka, and then he and his family were murdered in his basement. These two things are related. <laughs> and then Gorbachev is like, Perestroika, vodka and beer is a luxury. And they're like, hmm, fall of Soviet Union six years later? Coincidentally not. <laughs> so the Russian... Vodka ban overlapped with prohibition by five years. Okay. Iceland had a blanket alcohol ban that was instituted in 1915. Wines and spirits were legalized in 1935. Beer in 1989. Finland had a prohibition from 1919 until 1932. Norway banned spirits from 1919 and 1927. New Zealand held a referendum on prohibition in 1919 in the driest one until the votes were counted from the army who were overseas at the time. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was like, oh, wow, that was really interesting. I had no idea. Yeah, it was so I didn't either. Broad. Yeah. 
something was going on with the human race during that time. It was a little purging period, apparently. And I thought this part in the epilogue was hilarious, where he says, Occasionally people talk of a war on drugs, which is silly. Drugs are a constant. There is merely a war between drugs. And it's one that alcohol must always win. Mind you, if the government really did want to stamp out heroin or co cocaine or whatnot, they could do it easily by removing the tax on booze. We are a simple species. <laughs> and our choice of intoxicant is basically dependent on price and availability. <sighs> that is my favorite quote of the entire book. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and a perfect summation of his tone and the way the entire book reads. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love the book. And I... I was looking at the cover of the book right before the podcast, and he has another book that he wrote, and I'm like, oh, I can't pronounce this because it, it was, it's something, it's something I couldn't even pronounce, like, 100%, like, without views, right? <laughs> Etymologin Khan. I don't know. I'm like, I'm going to have to look that up and read that, because yeah. this was a great book. It was short. It was fast read. It was really informative. It was very funny. Yeah. I totally, totally recommend it to everyone. And even everything we blabbed on about, like, you could read it and totally, we didn't spoil anything, really. I mean, you would enjoy more it. More stories. More yeah. to enjoy. Yeah. Yeah. So, cheers. Cheers. Clink, clink. Here, I'll clink, clink with myself. And... <laughs> Since we're still social distancing. Yes. Stupid pandemic. Exactly. <laughs> Do you have any parting words? All I, all I have to say is that this book really made me feel a lot better about enjoying alcohol the times that I do. It alleviated some of that guilt that I have because it's something that almost everybody enjoys and, and nothing really horrible happens unless you're Russian. <laughs> right. Uh, America is one of the more conservative countries when it comes to alcohol overall. I mean, like, the Middle East is very conservative, yeah. but Americans are, like, right above that. Yeah. So, yeah, we're, we're totally fine. And as always, drink responsibly. Definitely. Thank you so much, everyone. We will see you again next month. Bye. Woo! Bye.